Welcome to the Organic MD Podcast with Dr. Damon Miller. This is Carlisle Koash. How are you doing today, Dr. Miller? Well, you know, I'm doing pretty well. And just by the grace of whatever, you know, I'm, <laughs> it's, 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 a, it, it's a tough, tough time. Um, I mean, history will look back on this time and just shake its head and wonder how we all got through it. But I'm, uh, I'm grateful to be here. Uh, we're going to be talking about some things that are important. Uh, and I'm just, it's good to hear your voice. You're doing well. Um, I am holding up. And as, as you just said, by whoever's handing out grace so far, seems to, you know, be helping at least get through the day. Exactly. So I just, uh, today, this is uh, the seventh of eight talks. We're kind of putting together a string of talks here about the I work that we do. We work with uh, helping people who have uh, kind of chronic degenerative eye conditions, you know, uh, macular dystrophies, retinal dystrophies. Uh, the specific names of the things are macular degeneration, Stargardt disease, retinitis pigmentosa, cone rod dystrophy. Call it what you will. We also help a lot of people with uh, severe glaucoma and uh, separated retinas, and you know the, a lot of things that uh, where the eye needs a lot of support to be able to heal itself because it can heal itself. But uh, Today's talk, we're going to be talking about the genetics behind these disease, and especially the idea that your genes are not your destiny. Let me say that again: your genes are not your destiny. And you know, one more time, just in case, your genes are not your destiny. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, Carlisle and I, we we've been working with people for a long time, and you get people uh, in, in all kinds of you know, the domains of their life where they just say, well, that's just the way my family was. That's the way it was. That's the way my parents were. That's the way my, you know, those are just things that run in my family and this kind of thing. And yeah, that may be true, but I'm going to say it again. Your genes are not your destiny. And so it's almost like we've been talking about medical hexing. It's almost like family hexing or gene hexing, you know, as opposed to, Hey, okay, sure. This we've seen this pattern, but Let's see if that pattern can change. Yeah. Well, let me just let me just say a couple of things that I see people sort of respond to, just to put it in some familiar ways, you know, without getting into a significant talk about genetics and epigenetics and everything else we're going to be talking a little bit about today. But uh, just consider the most common of these eye problems, macular degeneration. And macular degeneration, the most common form of it, is called age related macular degeneration, ARMD, age-related macular degeneration. And the reason it's called that is because it usually doesn't even show up in people's lives until they're in their sixth or seventh or eighth decade. They go through a long life, they have children, they retire, and then their eyes fall apart when they're older. And, um, and you know, but you have to be asking yourself, well, if these are diseases that have a strong underpinning of some genetic predisposition, meaning you have a gene that uh, predisposes you to having this, meaning almost everybody who gets macular degeneration has some sort of abnormal gene. We know that. And same with Stargardt and retinitis pigmentosa. But how is it that you can live to be 60, 70, 80 years old and have no idea that you have any kind of a genetic problem? You know, you've had the gene from birth. Well, it's because your body has kept that gene suppressed, or even if it did start to rear its head, it's been able to fix things faster than they could break. So 
you know, the, and this is true of many other diseases. The other bit of data that I find really interesting, you know, the, um, the kind of testing, the genetic testing, looking for genetic abnormalities in people, that's become just so common. It's unbelievable. You know, for, you know, 90 bucks, you can get a test that shows you your tendency for all these things. And, and it, I really don't recommend these tests for most people because they just get scared to death. They go, oh my God, I have a gene for diabetes and breast cancer and colon cancer and blah, 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 blah. The thing is, is that a lot of people have those genes. So mm. let's go back to macular degeneration again. Um, we know some of the genes that predispose you to macular degeneration. And we know from the tens of millions of people who've had genetic tests that that gene is pretty common. And yet, the gene is much more common than the disease. Most people with the gene don't get the disease. Most people with the gene for diabetes don't get diabetes. Most people with the gene for breast cancer don't get breast cancer. Yes, that gene is there, but the disease doesn't come necessarily with the gene. So then you have to ask, well, what, what would make your gene get expressed? And so we're going to shift gears a little bit here, just a, the, the basic thing to understand is that when we talk about genetics, we're talking specifically and only about your DNA, this six foot long piece of double helix base pairs that uh, defines, you know, who you are, how you're put together, what kind of eye color you have and all this kind of stuff. That, that's your genetics. That's what the genetic tests look at. But then there's a whole other thing that sits on top of that, and it's called epigenetics, meaning specifically what epigenetics is, are those things that sit on top of the genome of your genetic sequence. And the epigenetics involve things like proteins and histones and all kinds of things. The, the DNA, the six foot long strand that's in every single cell in your body, doesn't just sit there like some bunch of spaghetti. It's carefully packaged and wrapped up and folded. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just a tiny little dots, you know, just a few microns, not even microns, just a, I mean, it's, it's barely the width of a wavelength of light, you know, it's, it's incredibly small once you fold it up, but all the things that, uh, go into folding it up also control the DNA. So, you know, the reason you, uh, don't just start making tissue randomly in your body is that the expression of the genes in your body are very tightly controlled, especially when you're first forming, you know, how do you get the uh, neural tube to form at the right time? How do your ears form? You know, everything has to be very, very carefully controlled and orchestrated when you're a fetus and, um, and it is. So the epigenetics though, um, raise some interesting questions. Um, and, you know, one of the questions is, like I say, how, how is it that the body decides when a gene should get expressed and when it shouldn't? And so the, uh, you know, people are saying, well, maybe there'll be a drug someday that'll affect this, or maybe there'll be a technology. You know, we just, we're right now just seeing just this week, they announced the winner of the uh, Nobel Prize in uh, mm. 
biology. Um, two women shared it for their development of something called CRISPR, C-R-I-S-P-R, which is the ability to modify your DNA sequence. Um, and uh, that is one way to affect your genetics is to actually modify the gene, but nobody's found a way yet with anything that they can sell you to modify your epigenetics. No drug, no surgery, no, no technology. Um, but there are things that change the epigenetics. And that's what's really interesting. And, you know, and the things are things that, um, you know, modifying your stress level, modifying your diet, modifying your lifestyle, those things have a profound effect on whether or not abnormal genes get expressed. I mean, you've seen this, I know, and, and, you know, all the work you've done with, with people. Sure. The thing that struck me in the back of my head when you were mentioning a moment ago of how people now are getting tested, as you said, for all sorts of things and say, oh my gosh, I have, I have this gene, I might get breast cancer. So I'm going to do a preventative surgery and I'm going to remove everything. <laughs> and sure, you can do that. And it seems like it's, that's an odd word to say this, but it seems really hot right now as a thing to do of these preventative surgeries where I'm just going to remove the issue. And to me, that seems like pretty odd prevention. The focus then is I'm going to get rid of the thing that might be a problem. I mean, if you know that you have a propensity for macular degeneration, you're not going to remove your eyes ahead of time, right? <laughs> I mean, right. that would seem a little drastic. You bet. And with this notion of epigenetics and this ability to affect an aspect through managing your stress, through managing your diet, all the things that we've talked about in the last few podcasts, there's a way in which we are committing to our resilience, to building our resilience. As we've talked about here, when it's flu season, what do you do? You make sure you're taking more D and vitamin C and vitamin A and eating, making sure you're eating good food, making sure you're manage, making sure you're managing your stress, right. these kind of things, right? Because then if your kind of core immunity is stronger, well, then you're less, you're more likely to manage through whatever flu season or COVID season or whatever that's happening. And the same is true here. Like just because you have this gene, A, doesn't mean it will manifest ever. And B, there are things you can do to actually improve that situation. And so how about doing those kind of things first, as opposed to a dramatic surgery or something that is maybe or maybe not needed and has put a lot of trauma on your body and stress on your body. So I, right. I think, I think sometimes we've right now, I feel like we're in this interesting time and crazy time a little bit in the choices that people are making, but going back to how do we build this resilience? So if we're not just looking at our physical health and the things we do for our immune system, but also how are we managing our stress? We have this assumption that nothing ever changes, you know, if I'm just going on in my life and I'm, because I think everyone's going to live till forever and I'm never going to have any loss and I'm never going to have any stress and I'm going to have whatever job I want and make all the money I ever want and nothing's ever going to happen to the economy. 
great if that's true, but we, I think we know if you've been on the earth for any length of time, probably, you know that's not quite true, that things happen, things change, things are unpredictable. And so if we have things in place for ourselves that manage our stress on a daily level, so in a sense, we have our coffers full of nourishment, both physically, emotionally, spiritually, those kinds of things, then when outside circumstances shift and change, so if we had, you know, if we lose our job or if these other things happen, you have an illness in the family or a death in the family, or maybe there's a relationship stress or whatever, that you then have tools because you've worked on your own self. You know what helps you in terms of stress, how to relieve that, how to, to, to nourish those moments of stress. If we've done that work, then we have that as, a, as an ally and we can rely on it and draw from it so that we manage the, the road in front of us that can sometimes have a hill and sometimes have a very steep downhill and sometimes it's level and all of the above. And I think we don't do that. We, we just assume because I'm choosing what I want to do every day or the way my life is, then somehow it's all going to work out. And I hope it does. And at the same time, doing this kind of stuff doesn't really require a lot of extra time and gives us nothing but benefit. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I, um, we, did, we wrote a book, Stem Cells Heal Your Eyes. And I just, I mentioned that because uh, you can go to uh, the website at bettereyehealth.com and find a very cheap copy of that. But also um, in that book, there are hundreds of references and a much more detailed description of the science of epigenetics and what's known. But I bring that up because what you're talking about, it isn't just a good idea. It's something that's been proven. It's something that you can actually change whether or not abnormal genes get expressed by doing the very things you're talking about. And so it, it's an idea with some, some legs, some, an idea with some proof behind it. And, and the other thing I'm just thinking of as you're talking here is that, you know, you're talking about people saying, oh, I've got this uh, gene for a vicious form of breast cancer. I'm going to get a bilateral mastectomy. Um, you know, nothing in medicine nothing in your body is black and white. And so that gene that they may find that they say, oh dear, you've got this gene that is going to predispose you to an aggressive form of breast cancer. Well, statistically, that gene's also very related to ovarian cancer, to uterine cancer, to pancreatic cancer. So what are you going to do? Start just removing everything? You know, the the most common thing is, is breast. But, um, you know, because people think of these things a, a little too mechanistically or you know, as though science is an exact thing in the body, you know, they, they miss the fact that the, uh, you know, the, the genes don't exactly correlate with things. They cover a lot of things. This is certainly true in the eye disease. Hmm. You know, people, the genes that are, that, that are labeled as being genes that predispose you to macular degeneration. I've got a lot of people that they have retinitis pigmentosa, or they have Stargardt disease. And they have that gene that gets labeled as macular degeneration. Nobody, the geneticists don't understand this. Why, you know, these diseases are all, they have such overlap in terms of the genetics. You know, it's just, but they know that that's true. They see it. It's, 
you know, it's, it's well documented. But, um, but again, epigenetics, that's the real story. Epigenetics is something you can affect with tools that are available to you without seeing a doctor, without getting a genetic test. You know, and we're going to be talking more in our next, the, the final talk in this series, just about what you've been talking about, Carlisle. We're going to go over it again because it's so important. We're going to be talking about, you know, that taking care of your overall health, having a global view of healing and uh, dealing with the mind and the body and the spirit, uh, that those are the things that will help you. You know, those are the things that will allow you to, uh, even with abnormal genes, to avoid disease and even if you have it, to heal it. So so we'll come back. Like I say, we're going to be talking about this in the next one. So look us up uh, for the next number eight out of eight. It's going to wrap all this up with more of a discussion about what we've just been talking about. Okay. Well, thank you, Carlisle. Thank you, Dr. Miller. Okay. I'll see you soon. Okay. Okay.